So what is the Great Commission and why is it important? I'm RK. My name is Brahm. We're over here at YWAM Asuncion. We just want to talk about what I think is probably the most important thing for followers of Jesus to be uh, committed to, but statistically, a, a major majority of followers of Jesus have no idea what the Great Commission is. So the Barner Research Group, they, they, they surveyed a bunch of churchgoers and they found out that 51% have no idea what the Great Commission is. Uh, another 25%, they heard about it, the, they can't tell you what it is, and six people or six percent are like, "I have no clue. I, I don't know what you're even talking about." So it's like eighty-two percent of followers of Jesus right now have no idea what the Great Commission is, and yet, like Jesus dies, he rose again. He spends forty days talking with the the uh, the disciples about the kingdom, and he's he's about to go back up, be seated on the throne, and it was like the last thing that he decided to talk about is what we call the Great Commission. So, I mean, what is the Great Commission? I think there's I think there's two parts, right? And we'll, we'll talk about these things today, but first of all, the Mark Great Commission. What is the Mark Great Commission? Say? Mark Great Commission is go preach the gospel to every creature. So that is uh, taking the good news to every single living being on the, on the planet. Yeah, it's, it's sharing good news to, to every single person. The other part of the Great Commission is in Matthew where, where Jesus says, we're called to disciple uh, all the nations. And so you got the preach of the Mark and you got the disciple of all the nations in the Matthew. And um, man, we, we named our, our training uh, school here, the Discipleship Training School Infinito, because of thinking about the Great Commission. The Great Commission. <laughs> yes. You know, like it, in, in Mark, it says, preach the gospel to every creature. So I started to think about the fact that if, if we found out that the last person on the planet who's never heard about Jesus just lives across the street and we, we go, okay, we're going to go do this. We're going to finish the Great Commission. It's going to be awesome. And we decide we're going to go across the street and tell this person the good news of the kingdom of God. Every second that it takes for you to get from wherever you are to the other side of the street to tell this person about, about Jesus, four people have been born. So like four people, every second, four people are born on this planet somewhere. And where are they? I mean, are they in Africa, China, India, you know, are they in South America? We have no idea. So every single second, more people are being born who need to hear the good news about what Jesus did and who he is as, as, a, as a king. So that part of the Great Commission is infinite, you know? And uh, I think like, I think most people think the preaching of the gospel is the job of the, of the pastor or the evangelist, the, yeah. the missionary. I talked with the guy that told me that uh, preaching the gospel is for the pastor to do and that's why they pay him. So in his mind, you know, he goes to church, participates in the church service, and then he gives a certain amount every Sunday or maybe once a month, you know, his tithings. And then his mind is like, so the preacher preaches the gospel, the preacher gets the lost people, the preacher does it. Which is funny because uh, I actually was a, a pastor for sheep. I had the privilege of, uh, during my, uh, my college time, had a, 
had a time of uh, being like a mid a midwife, but then a male version. So there would be a mid male or it's a mid <laughs> a mid husband a mid husband. <laughs> and uh, I went to uh, to a big a sheep farm, and it was my job to every hour go walk around these hundreds of sheep and see if I could find sheep with these bags hanging out at the back. It will be like, you know, it's from the baby stuff. And then if I would see one of those sheep, I had to run and tackle that sheep and then uh, puts his gel on my arm and stick it in there and try to find out if there's two babies in there or three and then adjust them for it to come out. So it was really intense, nasty, and I had to to do this 24 seven. So, you know, every hour. And uh, one thing I realized while I was there is that the pastor never gives birth to a sheep mm -hmm. and it's the sheep. And if you say that, and I use this example, sometimes in churches, they all understand, especially if you're in the rural area, <laughs> but, but this guy definitely didn't don't, doesn't think like that. Right. The guy totally thinks that the pastor should give birth to sheep while he should. And uh, I think that's one of the points where the Great Commission uh, becomes a, a job description for the pastor to do, like you said, or the evangelist, whoever. Uh, but it doesn't make any sense in the example God gave us of having a pastor and a sheep. You know? Yeah. Well, and in, in Ephesians 4, the, pretty much the, one of the very few verses in the New Testament that talk, actually talks about a pastor. And, and, you know, it says God gave the apostle the uh, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, uh, it literally says that their job is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Mm -hmm. And so if you're paying the pastor, his job is to equip you to be able to go and do what it talks about in Mark, you know? Yes. So a good pastor would be the guy that gets his people to work the most, right? Yeah. To yeah. multiply the most. Multiply the most. Yeah. Cause, cause, uh, if you really think about the, the, the numbers of people on this planet who've never heard about Jesus, if we're going to actually finish that, where everyone hears the gospel, it can't come from just pastors preaching on a Sunday morning in a church, or you can't do it just through doing crusade evangelism. You're not going to get the billions of people that need to hear about Jesus into a stadium. But there are there are really practical ways that people can go and share with their neighbors and then we can reach the all by just equipping the normal people that have been filled with the spirit of God to go in and do the works of the ministry. And so I think uh, the Great Commission really is just learning to encounter God in such a way where it just becomes a natural thing to go and talk with them about him to others, you know? Yeah, I think the the easiest way that uh, when I, I remember when I gave my life to Jesus in the beginning, you know, you, it was so amazing. The reality that almighty God wants to talk with me and, you know, the Jesus and I was so in love and, and automatically I talk with people, you know, and it's really interesting because you see this happening over and over, even in our, our DTSSA, our discipleship training schools, you have these young just got saved guys that come in and girls and you tell them, wow, let's go do evangelism. And they're super excited. They want to tell everyone about Jesus. And then you have people that have been Christians for a long time or maybe grew up in church, you know, and they have none of that desire. And it's like, you know, if you fall in love, you know, everyone's seen this. If you're brothers, sisters, 
you know, fall in love, they can't stop talking about the person they're in love with, you know. So it should be a natural response uh, to, to the amazing revelation of that Jesus loved you so much that he was willing to lay down his life for you. So you can have, have an, eternal, an eternal relationship with the Father. And it's, it's interesting that, you know, the statistics are so bad on people preaching the gospel. You talked about the Great Commission, but it's worse leading somebody to Jesus. That is, uh, I was in a, in a, in a Bible college in, in Holland years ago. This is almost 20 years ago. And uh, they were saying that, that a little bit over 90% of the Christians would never lead one person to Jesus in their whole Christian lifetime. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was like, what? Like, that is insane if you just think of that. Like, if Jesus came to die and, 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 and take the sin of the world upon himself so salvation is possible. And that is the one reason he came. So people get that relationship with the Father. And then that is the one job we have. And then we don't. You know, that is, that is crazy. And, uh, and I think if you're wondering, like, what the heck is the Great Commission? Like, I still don't understand. It start just loving that one person in front of you enough that you will actually share the gospel with them or share your experience with Jesus. You know, I think sometimes the best, the best way to start a conversation is just tell them something that Jesus did for you that was, that was just amazing, you know, and that can be from everything. You know, I remember my daughter, uh, she had this dream and in this dream, she was in darkness and she was all alone and she felt terrible. And uh, in the dream, she remembered, oh, this is, I need to pray. And she prayed and, and then she started people seeing light up all around her. And uh, she woke up in the morning so excited. She came to tell us, she goes, Jesus showed me in a dream last night that even though I'm in the dark and it looks like I'm alone, I'm never alone because he always has his angels around me. He's always there with me. And it seems a small story. But that was a personal moment where God was communicating something to her. And maybe that person in the supermarket or in the bus or in the train or wherever you're at is feeling that alone. And that story that you have with Jesus can be, you know, uh, uh, your step into the Great Commission, into doing it. And that person's step to like, man, this is, this is what I need, you know? Yeah. I remember sharing with a, uh, a high school Bible study once and I was going after him hard, you know, like no more sissy Christianity. You need to get out there and preach the gospel, quit making excuses. And then I get home and, and God spoke to me and said, you haven't talked to anyone about Jesus this week. And I felt like a super loser. And I was like, you're right, God. So my dad needed me to go to the store. So I said, Jesus, if you give me an opportunity, man, I will totally talk with someone about Jesus at the store. And so I pull up to the Walgreens and uh, I see a, you know, a dirty homeless dude in front of the Walgreens. And I said, man, that's my guy, right? So I run in and get what I needed from the store. I walked up to the dude. I said, hey, man, is there anything I can pray for you about? I mean, simple, you know, a simple question. Like, is there anything you need prayer for? And the guy's like, yeah, man, I need prayer for a lot of things. I was like, well, give me one. And, uh, you know, so he names off something. I was like, okay, yeah, Jesus can do something about that and that and that. For about 45 minutes, I just sat with this guy, just listened to him, you know, just listened to him talk. And in the middle of the talking, he goes, 
he goes, you know what's interesting? He said, uh, if I if I get even around two or three people, I get like the shakes really, really bad and I have to I have to leave. And then I just had a thought pop on my mind. Someone that you really loved uh, either hurt you or left you. And he says, yeah, every single person I've ever loved has died. He said, I had a girlfriend in high school. She died. He said, I watched my best friends get blown up to me, uh, blown up next to me in Vietnam. I said, man, you need to repent of fear that if you get close to someone, they're going to die. Because fear is like the number one Enemy. thing yeah. in the Bible that is that God always commanded, do not fear, right? So I said, hey, man, pray this after me. And we just renounced this fear. In the middle of the prayer, he goes, look, he holds up his hand. He's like, they're not shaking anymore. Fully got delivered from a spirit of fear, fear in front of the Walgreens. And uh, while I was listening to him talk, he, he, had, he had had back surgery. He had had like four discs fused in his back. And I said, well, let's pray for your back, man. And he just starts bending back and forth. And he's like, no, man, I'm healed. Like the spirit of fear left, so did his back problems, you know? And like, and then the, the interesting thing is like, when I was leaving, the thing that he said, he said, man, I just knew I would have someone to talk to today. You know, it's like, it's cool. Man, and it, it, it just came from that saying, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. When I get to the store, if there's an opportunity, I'm going to try. I'm going to be available. And I think, you know, for doing the mark part of the Great Commission, if we just say we're available, I think we'll find ways yeah. while we're out in our day-to-day -day life to just love on people, offer to pray for people, just be Jesus to people, you know? Yeah, I, I, I think that's where it starts, you know, if... If somebody is wondering like, oh, the Great Commission, discipling a nation, how the heck am I going to do that? Like, what does it even mean? You know, the first step into doing that is just doing your part, you know, start sharing with the people in front of you. You know, I love the whole example of, of uh, how Jesus talks about the kingdom of God is like a yeast in dough. Because you don't see yeast and it's nasty, it stinks. You know, it's not like an attractive thing. I watch my wife make bread put the yeast in the warm water and it becomes like foamy and nasty. But then she works it in the dough and it completely disappears, you know? And then you put it away for an hour and this whole thing starts changing just because of that. And, and I think, you know, even though we as church, we don't look as pretty as, you know, we should probably. And, and, and maybe you're like, I'm not a good Christian man. I, I, I have so many failings. It's like, bro, if you just let God, you know, knit you in that dough, which is the world, just do your job. If it's at McDonald's or Walgreens or, you know, if you're studying or you're just in the bus driving and somebody sit next to you, you know, just step over that chicken line that keeps you from sharing because we all feel that, right? This little fear, this feeling is like, oh, I don't really want to talk about this. This is awkward. But step over the chicken line and go, hey, can I tell you like a cool story and just share a story of something that Jesus did to you that impacted you and then go from there, you know? I think that is uh, that is your baby step maybe into changing a nation because you never know what that guy is actually going to do with his life, you yeah. know? I, I always think about, you know, one day some guy evangelized Billy Graham or, or Reinhard Bunke and you know, now we talk about them, you know, or, or Abraham Kuyper from Holland, you know, that guy influenced the university, he influenced uh, politics, journalism, <laughs> business, this guy, one guy, you know, pretty much, you know, was well on his way to disciple a nation, but there was one person 
that shared the gospel with this dude somewhere. And, yeah. uh, and I think that's your, your easiest step into actually actively participating in the Great Commission. Just be available and step out and try. I think that's it, right? So, man, we can talk about the other part of the Great Commission is uh, in, in Matthew. So Matthew 28, Jesus says, all authority in heaven has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. And so for, for years, we, we've thought that it said that we need to make disciples in nations. But Jesus says to make disciples of nations. And there's a big difference. And um, so I was thinking about this because is it actually possible for followers of Jesus to impact and change entire nations? And so I was looking in the Bible, fast forward to the end of the book, Revelation 21, it says that entire nations are bringing their glory into the city of God. So somewhere in between Matthew 28, Revelation 21, it happens where followers of Jesus begin to actually impact, impact nations. And so I begin to say, okay, if you want to disciple a person, you have to change the way the person thinks. So if you want to disciple a nation, you have to change the mass mind of the culture. And so as YWAMers, you know, Lauren Cunningham, you know, 50 years ago or 40 years ago, however long it was. 60, I think. Uh, you're very good updated on our, uh, our numbers here. <laughs> now, when did he have, did he have the, the, get the word about the seven mind molders? I think we, well, I don't know. 70, I think it was in 1970, however long ago that was. But um, before you were born. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so Lauren had got this word from God that if you want, if you want to finish the Great Commission, you have to reach these seven spheres of influence, these 77 mind molders, because these seven areas are influencing the mass mind of the culture. And so going back to what we talked about earlier about realizing that everyday normal Christians are the ones who actually have to do the ministry. If we're going to actually disciple nations... We have to have people in these seven areas of influence. So the seven areas are religion, government, law, arts, entertainment, education, business, media, and family. So those seven areas are like the seven spheres of influence that we need to be deploying these, um, these, uh, these people like yeast in the dough in these seven areas so that we can get in there and then begin to transform the, uh, the culture to think the way that Jesus thinks. And, and I think, uh, leading people to Jesus is like catching fish, but discipleship is like cleaning fish and that's dirty and it's messy and it takes time, you know? So like the, the evangelism is, is fun. Doing the miracles is fun. The discipleship and changing the culture in an area can actually take some work and take some time. And, um, so I think, I think, you know, like Mark is about quantity, like how many people we're supposed to reach, but like, man, Matthew's about quality, like seeing disciples raised up to think like Jesus and begin to transform Act the like culture, culture around them to actually, to actually do the yeah. things that Jesus commanded. And uh, the other thing I think is interesting, and Jesus says the way you're supposed to disciple nations is by teaching them to obey everything he commanded them. So like, I'll, I'll ask young people, I'll tell you, hey, how many of you know all the things that Jesus commanded you to do? And you know, usually it's like, you know, yeah, or to give you the Ten Commandments. Yeah, right. Like, well, I know these ten. <laughs> and then, uh, and it's like, if you don't know the things that Jesus told you to do, you don't know what you're supposed to be uh, doing. And then I say, okay, how many of you are obeying all the things that Jesus said to do? And it's like, you know, even less than But how many of you can teach someone else how to obey those things? So it's like, we need to to 
to have this uh, almost like a, a fascination with the red letters and saying, Jesus, how can we take these red letters and make them a part of our daily life where, where what Jesus said actually becomes what we're basing our life around and trying to change the environment around us? Yeah. I th- I've been thinking about this a lot lately because of all the changes that the world is going through, you know, with the internet and, and how amazingly it is that you can actually get to every person personally, you know, through, you know, Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. Like people, we're actually in people's hands and, uh, and how that is changing the world. You know, I was, uh, I was reading this article just yesterday about Korean culture is taking over the world. Right. Korea is not that big of a country. Like there's not that many Koreans, even in Korea. It's it's not a huge country. But right now, everywhere you go, people watch Korean dramas, the soap operas, Squid Game. Like we go to the mall in Paraguay and kids are dressed up like Koreans. Like, you know, that the story of the girl I told you that that was trying to become you know, look like a Korean and got anorexia, you know, and her mom asked us to pray because she's trying to get a Korean body and she's Latina and it's not working and she ends up almost dying of anorexia. And, and it's like, this is crazy that a little country like Korea becomes to this level, you know, and now is influencing a nation like Paraguay, which is totally the other side of the world. So there's way more believers than Koreans, right? In the whole world. And, and, and we should be able to reach because those seven spheres, what we need is yeast in them. Mm-hmm. And what we need is get to the minds of individuals that actually go into these spheres, you know? Because family, family for me is an interesting one because in business you can think, oh, we, we, we get some very good Christian business people. You know, some ladies, some guys, and they're going to make an impact or high politicians. You know, if we just get presidents in every country, that's a good, solid believer, you know. But a family, you need somebody in every single family in the world to change that, you know. And then they need to put those principles in their family. And the only way to do that is actually to get to every single different person. So I think it seems impossible. Then uh, maybe... Some people think it's impossible, but looking at how Koreans are taking over the world, like I don't know how many millions of Koreans, anyone knows how many million Koreans are there in the world? But uh, (laughs) they're not that many compared to Christians, you know? Mm -hmm. And I've been just reading these articles and looking at it, and I'm like, if that culture can influence the whole world, there has to be a way for the gospel, for the kingdom of God that is way bigger to do the same, you know, and, uh, and yeah, I, it's maybe a little bit of ta- of subject, but it should give us hope, you know, looking at that. And it's interesting because Korea is the country that went from being a Buddhist country to being a Christian country, from being a, a poor nation to being a, a first world nation, all within a generation. And the first time I heard Korea's story, it gave me hope, like, wow, nations can be changed. And now Korea, again, is impacting the world. And I'm thinking, bro, like they're making little Koreans all over the world by, by what they're doing. This is crazy. So it's giving me hope again. It's the second time 
Korea is giving me hope to see the world influenced by the gospel, you know. Just wish their uh, kimchi would disappear off the planet. Yeah, I like kimchi. <laughs> I like kimchi. I like Korean food. So if you're a Korean and you hear him complain about kimchi, it's okay. His wife eats tons of kimchi. She loves it. So he has to just deal uh, with the breath afterwards. Just deal with, with, this, <laughs> with the stench of the kimchi. But yeah, so Matthew discipled nations, impact the culture, you know, like Mark is preach the gospel, do miracles. And uh, these things aren't optional. You know, these, these are the things that Jesus, like, I just think about it, like, if you were about to leave the earth and you had one last time to say something that was important to you and your followers, like you would choose your words really carefully. Yeah. Jesus decided, you know what, I'm going to tell them what we call the Great Commission. Just do this. <laughs> Preach the gospel to everyone, disciple all the nations, and then taken up to heaven, you know? So, I mean, we started our, our work here in Paraguay just going after the all, you know? We call it Mama Paraguay, you know, like where it's, where everyone, we're going after everyone here in the gospel in this nation. Uh, uh, everyone have it here in the gospel, a Bible in every single home, a church within walking distance of every person, compassion and justice for all, and then making sure all people groups are reached. You know, like we started that and uh, it was, that was the, 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 the purpose of what we're doing. And so then we started this YWAM base and we said, this YWAM base is to raise up young people to find their place yeah. in this all vision. And so... That's what we're about here. Why I'm just raising up young people to find their place in God's plan to reach the 